Hooley. On the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. The big announcement that I have today on Monday night, I um, finished the quest. I'm I'm done. I erased it from my phone. 6,005 miles. For those of you that uh, wonder what that is. I, I don't do it for that. I'm gonna. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm applauding though. It's well, worth. thanks. That's not a two-time state champion, but it's still something of, I, somewhat of an accomplishment. I didn't applaud very loud. I just applauded. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I miss Mr. Spielman's laughter. He's in Cleveland today. Hopefully, he will not be laughing at my Browns uh, this week. We will find out as the Browns play the Raiders, and Spiels has that game on Fox on uh, Sunday. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Buckeyes and Penn State on Saturday night. Bengals and Titans, and if I'm looking forward to that one too much, that uh, seems like a Titans bounce back to me. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Spielman Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. It's great to have you all with us this morning. Uh, a little late getting the podcast out today because I was uh, I was in my Bible this morning. I needed to be. I'll explain that in the faith portion of the podcast, which comes up a little bit later. We have big news overnight. COVID is threatening the face of college football. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson, has tested positive for COVID. He will not play on Saturday. He will not be uh, a thorn in the side of former Buckeye defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley, whose uh, Boston College Eagles take on Clemson. And they'll get DJ Ugalele, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's a former five-star, number one player in the country, Supposedly best pocket passer in the country, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. No one is, except maybe Justin Fields. And so what will this mean for Clemson? And more importantly, what will it mean for Clemson not this week against BC, which that's not going to be an easy game for Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. They're going to sit on the run. Ugalele is a big, strong guy. I would imagine Clemson's going to run the ball a lot against BC. But Jeff Halfley's, as has been covered on this podcast multiple times, a super talented defensive coordinator. And uh, I would think will make it very tough for Clemson not having to honor as much the downfield throws of Trevor Lawrence. What does it mean, though, for next week, Clemson and Notre Dame? The ACC policy is not as punitive as the Big Ten policy. Uh, Chris talked at length on Wednesday about how ridiculous it is that Jack Cohn, uh, well, not Jack Cohn, but Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin quarterback, has to sit for 21 days after testing positive for COVID. Badgers aren't going to play Saturday against Nebraska. They had six players, six players, but two of them were quarterbacks, and with Cone's injury, they probably don't have another quarterback. Six players and six support personnel coaches, including Paul Chris, test positive. So no Wisconsin-Nebraska game. It's not a forfeit. It's not a loss for Wisconsin. It's not a win for Nebraska. It's a no contest. Uh, Wisconsin still got plenty of time to play the required five games, I believe it is. You have to play five or you have to play six to be the Big Ten champion. Um, but this is the problem, the predicament, the uh, flirtation with danger that the Big Ten took on when it decided to dilly-dally around and getting the season started and, um, you know, not giving itself any wiggle room on playing an eight-week schedule in eight weeks. That's That was dumb. They didn't need six weeks to get ready. They could have done it in four. Could have done it in three. They were already practicing. Neither here nor there. But what about Lawrence and what about Notre Dame? Okay, so the ACC's protocol is 10 days after the onset of symptoms, you got to sit. Supposedly Tuesday, Lawrence had symptoms. 
what about other Clemson players were around him? I don't know how they do this, but they say he's not been around anybody on the Clemson team for more than the 15 minutes that it supposedly takes to spread your COVID cooties to them. So um, they don't think other players will come down with it. If you followed this in the summertime, you know Clemson had its round, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's round of COVID in the summer. They had like 30-some guys test. So presumably they were past it, but Lawrence wasn't past it, and now he'll be past it for the rest of the year. This is the big, you know, ghost looming over Ohio State. They've not had anybody that we know of, and they're staunchly guarding the uh, player test results. We've not had anybody they know of, we know of, test positive. So, you know, the guy that obviously you can't lose is Justin Fields in a positive test Saturday Penn State. That would be a problem. That would put Ohio State in peril of, you know, not being the Ohio State that they can be with Fields at quarterback. But honestly, I think I'm not going to underestimate their ability to win a game without Justin Fields because Penn State lost to Indiana. Take Ohio, take Justin Fields away from Ohio State. Is Ohio State as good as Indiana? And that's the question, right? That's one way to look at it. Uh, Jack Miller looked okay to me. Uh, Gunnar Hoke's been around for a couple years. So I think, you know, I wouldn't. I'm not saying they'd win, and I'm not saying, obviously, it's a you know, long shot that Fields will test positive. But this is the ghost looming over the Buckeyes is, will Justin Fields ever test positive, and will he ever have to sit? And again, it won't matter if he tests positive after Penn State unless and until he would test positive in advance of Michigan. And by then, I would still think Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, Gunnar Hoke would be equipped to handle that, and Ohio State would win that game. And the other thing is, if you lose a game because Justin Fields is out or Trevor Lawrence is out at Clemson because of COVID, A, Clemson will still have him back for the ACC title game if they're the ACC champ. It's not a year where the Big 12 is going to steal anybody's berth. Sorry, I don't believe in Oklahoma State. Um, so you got Bama. Georgia's already got a loss. Nobody else in the SEC looks too daunting. And everybody knows Clemson, when healthy, is one of the best two teams. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to ask, do you want to win a title with Clemson screwed out of playing in the playoff because Trevor Lawrence tested for COVID. Of course, your answer is <laughs> it would be, yes, I'll take a title however I can get it. But I want to see the best game. And I, I've told you, it's Ohio State, Clemson, and then the rest of the bunch of dregs of college football this year. I don't know if that's because of COVID. I don't know if it just broke that way. Glenn Waddle's ankle snapped. It's Ohio State-Clemson inevitably to me. So let's see them both at full strength, and let's may the best team win. That's my view of the whole COVID thing. Now, in the Big Ten, Wisconsin not playing at Nebraska. What will that mean for Wisconsin next week? Don't know. They play Michigan in three weeks. That's the one that's really interesting. Will Graham Mertz not be allowed to play against Michigan? Who knows? Kevin Warren is uh, it seems determined to allow the season to happen but still prove that he was right that it shouldn't have happened. So I put nothing past the Big Ten. They will not allow Nebraska to play a replacement game this week against Chattanooga because, oh, the COVID strain in Chattanooga is so much more virulent than the COVID strain in the Midwest, of course. So we can't be exposing Big Ten players to out-of-conference competition. So no, Nebraska, you will sit. And you will like it, and you will not complain, and you will not sue us again, as you did before, which is why we have this Big Ten season in the face of a global pandemic. Can you tell I'm tired of COVID? I am tired of COVID. I'm not um, 
demeaning its danger to some people, but I don't think it's very dangerous to college kids. And this seems to me to be mother henning on the Big Ten's part and on college football's part and on the COVIDiots' part who are terrified of COVID and yet tweet their love for college football every Saturday after tut-tut-tutting us all week about how we shouldn't be playing college football. All right, to Penn State and Ohio State. Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford. Penn State had a three-pronged tailback rotation. Journey Brown, out. They won't say why. Some illness. I don't know. Noah Kane, injured, out for the season in Indiana, in the Indiana loss. That leaves Devin Ford, who played well at Penn, at uh, Indiana, except that he scored a touchdown with Penn State up a point and a minute and change left when Indiana had no timeouts. Not smart. But he's coached by James Franklin. So what do you expect? Because... James Franklin cannot nurse a lead, as has been proven in recent games against Ohio State. You give James Franklin a lead, and he's magnanimous. He just cannot wait to figure out a way to give it away. So he didn't coach Devin Ford to hit the ground so they could take a knee and win by one. He scored. They kicked the point. They're up eight. Indiana drives down, scores, two-point conversion, ties the game, overtime. Penn State scores, kicks the point. Indiana goes down, scores, goes for two, gets it. Penn State's 0-1. Now, Penn State would still have the edge on Ohio State because of a head-to-head win if Penn State would beat Ohio State Saturday. But there's no guarantee in my mind that Penn State would finish without another loss because they do have to play Michigan. And Penn State's fully capable, if they lose to Indiana, of yakking a game away against even a middle-tier Big Ten team, which is what Indiana still remains in my view. So they are not as deep at running back as they were before. That's a problem because for them to have their best chance of beating Ohio State, they have to keep the ball out of Justin Fields and the Ohio State offense's hands, and they're not as equipped to do that without Noah Kane and Devin Ford. They are also missing Jesse Lucchetta, who's their one of their nasty defenders. He got a targeting call in the Indiana game. He'll sit the first half against Ohio State. You, of course, know that they are without... Micah Parsons, who opted out to enter the draft, prepare for the draft, quit on his teammates, and uh, prioritized himself over team. That's the epitome of quitting. Sorry. That's quitting on your teammates. You can do it. I'm not saying you can't do it. It's a free country still until Tuesday. And you can uh, prioritize what you want. And if you prioritize self over team, that is by definition selfish. But that hurts Penn State a lot. They have to rush Justin Fields. They have to get to him to disrupt the Ohio State passing game because I think what you can take away from the Nebraska game is if Justin Fields has time to throw, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and the others are going to be open. Justin Fields is not going to miss them. And what you can discern also from past Penn State games is they can't cover. Now they can get to the passer, and if they get to the passer, then that can level the playing field. Of course, there's no crowd, so that's a big edge for Ohio State, as is always the case at Penn State with a whiteout. You have to deal with the noise. You have to deal with the intimidation. You have to deal with the adrenaline Penn State grabs from its home crowd. So that's a big edge for Ohio State. It's the right season to play them over there. The only wild card I see in this game, aside from some freaky COVID test for Ohio State on Saturday morning, is Sean Clifford, the quarterback from Penn State, supposedly, supposedly, I don't know, that's what they say, was not healthy last year 
for the game at Ohio State, and he's better equipped to run the ball now, but he's not Justin Fields as a runner. He's not Michael Penix as a runner. He's not, I don't think he's Joe Milton as a runner, but Clifford did have 119 yards on 17 carries against Indiana. So maybe they use Clifford a lot as a runner to offset Devin Ford. Last year, I thought Penn State would have success throwing a ball to their outstanding tight end, Pat Firemuth. Pete Werner took that away in that game. But Pete Werner's playing a different spot this year than he played a year ago. Doesn't mean Ohio State doesn't have somebody to cover Fryermuth. It doesn't mean they won't change the defense so Werner can cover Fryermuth. It just means that's something to keep your eye on in light of the fact that Ohio State seemed to let the tight end get free against Nebraska more times than Ohio State would prefer that to happen. So I feel like this is a... It's no worse than a 34-24 Ohio State win. I don't see any way Penn State keeps Ohio State from scoring four touchdowns and being down there a couple more times to get field goals. Speaking of field goals, Penn State can't kick them. They were 0 for 3 against Indiana. Now watch them make a liar out of me and kick a game-winning field goal. But I didn't see that against Indiana, so why would I expect that they would get that right this week? Um, I feel like this is no worse than 34-24 Ohio State, and honestly, I don't see how Penn State holds Ohio State to 34, and I, I'm being uber gracious giving Penn State 24. I mean, I figure if Nebraska scored 17, okay, maybe Penn State can get 24, but I don't think they can because I think Ohio State will improve dramatically from week one to week two, and while Penn State has recruited okay and has played Ohio State you know, tougher than most people in the league. I just think the debilitating emotional impact of losing to Indiana, the injuries that are piling up at Penn State, the clear back of your mind, oh, we might be ahead of these guys, but can we hang on? Because we couldn't in 20, what, 17 and 18, and we put it on the ground a bunch last year. Now, the difference in the game last year was, of course, Chase Young, and that's what we haven't seen out of Ohio State yet. I say yet because I do fully expect at some point Ohio State's pass rush to grow fangs. It didn't have them last week against Nebraska. So will Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith become – nobody's going to become Chase Young. That's not realistic. But will they become effective edge rushers and disrupt what Penn State's doing? That wouldn't surprise me either. So that's where we are. With uh, this game and uh, my assessment of this game, I don't think Ohio will have any problem getting to 2-0, and uh, it might even be in the bag by halftime. Uh, as for the Browns and the Raiders, that's Spiel's game on uh, Saturday. Speaking of Spiel's, of course, if he were home, which he is not, he would have had his Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee this morning. And I have great news for those of you who have bought from Hemisphere and become return customers from Hemisphere. Their coffee is definitely worth the price. It's not any more expensive than any other premium coffee, but now it's half price if, and only if, you go to my radio station's website, 989theanswer.com, click on Shopping, because we have a half-off deal on Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. You can buy a gift card that will give you $30 toward the purchase of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee or chocolate, but you'll only spend $15 to get the gift card. 
You have to buy it online. You can use it to buy Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee online. One note, you can buy as many gift cards as you want, but you can only use one of them per purchase. So if you buy, you know, five gift cards, which I would highly suggest, you will only be able to use one at a time. So you'll just have to order five times instead of ordering, you know, if you want $150 worth of coffee, you'll just have to order it, you know, a couple bags at a time. I believe two bags is probably two pounds of roast coffee is going to be right around 30 bucks because I typically buy for a friend of mine, I buy three one-pound bags, and that's 44. So two-thirds of 44, gosh, I hate to do math this early in the morning, but it would be under 30. So there you go. That's how you do it. 989theanswer.com. Click on the shopping link. Buy the Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee gift card at half off. Of course, you can order then from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And you get 15% off when you're a Spielman and Hooley listener. So discounts galore this morning for you and the fine folks at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. I appreciate very much supporting the podcast and supporting uh, me and my new endeavor at uh, 98.9, which the show airs, if you haven't heard, 5 to 7 p.m. It is a news talk station, as you might expect. Uh, these days, political talk dominates. Jack Nicholas's endorsement of Donald Trump yesterday was my topic du jour. Uh, the Golden Bear, former Buckeye, was uh, torn apart on social media for having the temerity to endorse Donald Trump. Uh, I am a Donald Trump guy. You may not be a Donald Trump guy. I don't think that's the issue here. I think the issue is, why is Christine Brennan, the shrieky, shrilly, uh, voice of she thinks uh, everything upright and righteous in sports taking Jack Nicholas to task for his opinion is he not entitled to his opinion my guess is if he was entitled to his opinion he would be entitled to his opinion if he endorsed Joe Biden so to back away from merits of the endorsement let's just keep it on the endorsement itself why is Jack Nicholas who's I think pretty much the catalyst, I'm not going to say solely responsible, but Jack Nicholas is the catalyst to Dublin, Ohio, becoming an amazing, successfully planned community. Dublin, Ohio, for those of you who are younger or don't know, moved to this area. Back when I went to college, back in my day, when I went to college at Ohio State, Dublin, Ohio consisted originally of a pizza shop. It's still there. On the main drag, right in the heart of Dublin, where the two main streets intersect. That was it in Dublin. That was it. There was nothing else. Now, of course, that seems nonsensical with Ashland Chemical and Wendy's and OCLC and all the different companies that make Dublin, Ohio home. With all the beautiful, teeming residential neighborhoods that feed three mammoth high schools and school systems. Dublin Jerome, Dublin Scioto, uh, Dublin... <laughs> Sarayota, Jerome, why can't I think of the third one? Anyway, you know there are three out there. Um, and, I mean, is Dublin, Ohio a beautiful community? The, the Polaris, uh, not Polaris, uh, the Tuttle Crossing Mall, that interchange, that's Dublin. Has Dublin contributed to the economic vibrancy of central Ohio? I think inarguably yes. <laughs> and that's all come since Jack Nicholas made Dublin, Ohio the site of the Memorial Tournament. It is. That's true. I mean, that's just flat out true. Any Dublin city father will tell you that. The beautiful Crawford Hoying development, Bridge Park in Dublin. 
all those condos in downtown Dublin, all that re, you know, rebuilding, repurposing of what used to be old Dublin. Thank you, Jack Nicholas, for that. Nationwide Children's Hospital. Mammoth force in Columbus. Has Nationwide Children's Hospital been good for Columbus, Ohio? Do you have kids who were treated at Nationwide? Do Are there parents who are happy that the pediatric cancer unit at Nationwide is without peer in the United States of America? Much of that is due to Jack Nicholas and the Memorial Tournament's charitable largesse, donating millions of dollars per year every year since the 1970s to Nationwide Children's Hospital. But woe to you, Jack Nicholas, that you dare express your opinion from a personal friendship that you have with Donald Trump. Christine Brennan was exceedingly um, racist, I will say, saying, well, of course Jack Nicholas endorses Donald Trump. Jack Nicholas is a rich white man in a rich white man's sport who's a rich white developer, so he supports another rich white man in a rich white man's sport who's a rich white developer. I don't think Christine Brennan could have got away with saying that a rapper's endorsement of Barack Obama was a hip black man uh, endorsing another hip black man. That would have been condescending and racist, and it's no less so in her employment of the term white to Jack Nicholas and Donald Trump, as if Jack Nicholas is a blind supporter of everything uh, painted in uh, Caucasian colors and has discriminated in some way or would discriminate in some way or holds racist beliefs in some way. That's ridiculous, and that's unfair, and it's mean, and it's shallow, and it should be um, criticized, and I'm criticizing it. And I will stand behind Jack Nicholas, who I have not known personally, but who I have observed at close range over the years. He has never ceased to be anything but gracious in any interview situation that I have been a part of or have observed on TV or radio, and I have been a big fan of his. I will remain a big fan of his. He is a faithful family man. He has been blessed with many children and many grandchildren, and I believe he has done much good in our community and in the world and around the world, and it is um, an indicator of our rancorous times that something as innocuous as his political endorsement uh, is met with uh, vitriol and hatred that similar moves by Similarly um, accomplished athletes, chiefly LeBron James, is the only difference is LeBron James endorses a different candidate and a different political mindset, and he does not come under from people like Christine Brennan the same kind of criticism. And so uh, I will call that out as unfair and uh, outrageous at every turn. Um, A reminder that if you are... um, faced with a situation where your legal rights are in jeopardy, please remember the name Willis Spangler Starling. Willis Spangler Starling Attorneys. They are great people. I don't vouch for people that I don't know well and that I don't like. And Willis Spangler Starling, uh, I know the partners. I know their heart. I know their motivation. I know their integrity. And I know that you can't do better in the legal profession, whatever your issue is, workers' compensation, personal injury, wills and estate planning, numerous specialties across the spectrum of legal issues. You want to know that when you talk to someone, they'll have your best interest at heart, but they will not um, bend the law, break the law, or uh, massage the law 
at the expense of their personal integrity. Willis Spangler Starling is that firm. They're online at willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S, attorneys.com. Willis Spangler Starling. Okay. Faith portion of the podcast. Yesterday was a enlightening day for me. I reached out to several people that I used to routinely spend time with in the course of my job as a sports writer. We are able to now advertise our political beliefs on social media so that the mystery that we used to have with who our friends were voting for is no longer a mystery. That can be bad and that can be good. Uh, I enjoy the relationships I have had over the years with uh, diverse people of diverse opinions than myself. Scooney Penn is a good friend. Scooney and I would vehemently disagree on black lives. I hope I will always be a friend of Scooney Penn. I think he's a really, really neat guy, and I um, want that friendship to continue. So I reached out to a couple friends who were journalists like myself. Why did I reach out to them? Because I knew they were journalists like myself, raised in the same era of journalism that I was raised in. And I wanted, and I know they are uh, of different political persuasions than I am. And I wanted to get their opinion as journalists on the Hunter Biden story, the Tony Bobulinski story, the laptop story, the Joe Biden influence story, whatever you want to label it, you know what I'm talking about. I did not want to seek, nor did I seek, their opinion on whether the story was uh, correct, indicative of anything regarding Joe Biden, did not reach out to them in any way, shape, or form to try to change their mind on who they should vote for. I reached out to them exclusively to find out, as journalists, what they think of the journalism aspect of this story, that it's being aired by conservative media, not being aired by other media. Uh, I, I will try to share a little bit of detail as to why I felt like this was a productive exercise without exposing anyone for uh, confidences they have placed in me in the past. Back when I traveled at the Plain Dealer and would go to NCAA tournaments and football games, I would frequently dine out uh, um, you know, the night before games with other journalists who worked for other entities who would often express their frustration with their publisher or with their editor or with their newspaper management over favoritism shown to a certain point of view. So when I reached out to these specific individuals yesterday, my intention was to see if they view the treatment of the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden influence story similar to how they used to view their particular newspapers not treating everything in a down-the-middle, even-handed fashion. That was why I reached out. The responses that I received back were uh, would be plotted on a on a graph in uh, varying uh, positions. Uh, one person gave me a quick no comment. One person I could tell was somewhat, at least it was my impression, he was somewhat bothered by me probing on this particular issue. We have exchanged subsequent texts. Um, one of which I tried to, again, articulate the reason for my question, and 
Um, I think we're okay, but I don't know. I hope we are because a person I uh, had a lot of really great uh, experiences with, and it would be a shame if that association was uh, forever fractured. One response that I received was exceedingly angry. Uh, it resulted in a phone call from that person to me, and a profane phone call it was, and a uh, tirade it was, and a hang-up ended the conversation. Uh, and I uh, did what I have been uh, coached to do in my leadership training, which is to stay silent and to allow the other person's anger and epinephrine to run out. It didn't run out. <laughs> um, but I can't say I'm totally shocked. Um, so... What's the spiritual aspect of that? I've been in, uh, I've spent considerable time thinking about that. And I uh, woke this morning at 3 a.m. trying to um, make sense of it and trying to respond in a Christ-like way, which I have deemed is uh, the right thing to do is to not respond, even though I'm now getting more texts from that person. Um, So, I spend a lot of time in uh, Paul's letters in the New Testament because I really love Paul and I really love Peter because they're the two flawed disciples that I most identify with personally. But today, when I woke up at three and laid in bed for a long time, I felt like I was being prompted to read the Gospel of Matthew because (laughs) sometimes you just need to go right to the source, and I needed to read the direct words of Jesus today. And so I did. And uh, so... Uh, a few things that strengthen me, I will I will not draw a parallel on these, but I will leave it out there for you if you're still listening to the faith portion of the podcast. You apparently have a desire, and I'm very thankful that you do, have a desire to respond and to conduct your life in a Christ-like way or you're um, desirous of being, uh, of being light in a dark place. So let me just read a couple things that... Uh, that I read that strengthened me, and you can draw the conclusion as to why. Uh, Matthew 10, 22. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Matthew 32, Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Matthew 11, 25. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is the last one. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One thing that Paul wrote uh, resonates with me, several things. One is, as much as is possible, live at peace with all men. Sometimes it's possible and sometimes it isn't. Paul also writes in Philippians, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable or praiseworthy, think on these things. So I'm trying to discipline myself to think on those things. Um, I sent a text to some friends of mine today, godly men, that we're going to be challenged in our lives 
to respond in love and to not betray the faith that we desire to serve and further. Sometimes a response, the most uh, prudent response for a person like me who is given to confrontation and anger and a desire to be, uh, and a desire to litigate things verbally, sometimes the best response is the hardest response, and that response is silence. And so uh, that's where I'm choosing to stand today. What I try to do in the course of that, because it goes very much against my nature, is to remember the things that I know to be true. And I know that God loves me, and I know that God will never leave me or forsake me, and I know that um, I need to stay humble and make sure and check myself that I am not uh, deluding myself. I want to always ask God to expose the uh, any duplicity or error in my heart. So that's where I am today as I prepare to go back in and do a Friday show on the answer. And uh, if you're a person of faith, um, regardless of your political persuasion, I encourage you to realize that uh, we are always on mission and that uh, no interactions that we have are not opportunities to show the God that we desire to serve. And no thing that we face in life should be viewed as anything other than an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus Christ into dark places. I hope that strengthens you today. And I've reached the end of the podcast without fulfilling my duty to advocate for my friends at auiinfo.com. You may want to tap out at this point in time, but I just encourage you to patronize good people. Surround yourself with good people in all aspects of your life. And I can flat tell you that Chrissy and Steve and the AUI team are good people. I should share with you sometime the story of Chrissy and Steve and how they fell in love. And um, it's an amazing story of self-sacrifice. It is... um, It is such a great company, and they are so um, eager to serve you. So if you need health insurance, you need a health insurance counselor, broker, somebody to answer questions for you. It won't cost you anything. As I always say, they are paid by the health insurance companies. And um, I trust them. I trust them with everything uh, in that realm. So please avail yourself of that opportunity. If you're a business owner and you're trying to line up benefits, or if you're an individual and you have questions about which plan is the best for you, whether a higher copay makes sense or what doctors are in what plans. Uh, Don't make a bad choice that's uninformed. Make a great choice that is uh, filtered through the prism of AUI Info's expertise. AUIinfo.com. That'll do it for this Friday edition of the podcast. I hope that it was um, informative and instructive and enlightening and empowering. And I appreciate all those of you who listen, particularly those who listen to the very end. Stay strong. Chris will be back Monday. And I agree, it's a bigger show when he's here. I miss him because I miss laughing with him. Have a great day.